Who? How many enjoyed worship this morning? Yeah, me too. I um, actually pulled Zach aside, and I just want to share this because I think this is. I'm just processing it. How many know? I, I think I, I, I'm blessed by our worship team each and every Sunday, and I think they do a fantastic job. Right? Yeah, it's okay to clap. That's a good one to clap for. We have a great team that loves the Lord. Um, you know, it's 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 really about helping minister to the Lord and leading us in that. Um, but I, I told him, and I said. There's something about coming up on the platform after a team has just took, taken the risks to go off script and worship the Lord in a freeness, like just being that liberty. And I just got thinking, do you know, this is totally not what I'm preaching on, but it is now. Um, do you know when we are free to be who God's created us to be, it actually gives people courage around us, yes. right? That's the truth. Like when we're in a situation and you just get to be you loving people in Jesus and that Jesus gets to shine, it makes other Christians courageous around. And so I was just blessed by their liberty this morning and I just pray that God continues us down that road as a church people, that we're always willing just to follow his lead because that's our heart here at New Life Church. Amen? All right. Well, um, so this morning I want to actually talk about uh, three verses of Scripture in, in the first book of Corinthians, chapter 3. I know Justin preached on that last week. I figured if I preached the same thing again, it would be easier. No, I'm just kidding. I'm preaching um, Scriptures he didn't preach. He, he preached up to like the 20th verse, and I think I'm going to preach like the 21st, 2nd, and 3rd verse. Um, so feel free to open your Bibles to that. We're just going to grab three verses this week. Um, and I titled my message, Fully Charged. And the funniest thing happened this morning in first service. I told them I was going to title it like full tank of gas, but I thought it's 2022. We'll talk like electric vehicles, fully charged. And they booed me. They like groaned. So here's the rules. There is acceptable encouragement during this message. Amen is acceptable. And we're in Maine, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that will do. And yes, sir. So all you Mainers that know those are acceptable forms of encouragement for me. Groaning is not acceptable. Those go to justin at newlifemain.org. <laughs> but this morning I called it Fully Charged, and I had this picture in my mind of probably, I don't know, you know, it seems like two years ago, it was probably 20 years ago, whenever it was that iPhones really first came out. You know, I had one of those flip razor phones. Anybody have one of those? And they were kind of fun in the day. They made you feel really, like, techy. And, um, but, you know, when uh, iPhones came out, the, honestly, it did a lot. I love Apple products, whatever, shameless plug, I just like Apples, but... Um, the thing that stunned me the most, I don't know if this really got anyone else's attention, when you took that thing, if you never had one, if you took, take that thing out of the box, it works from day one. Like, I had to plug my razor in and, like, charge it for eight hours, you know. It says, don't turn the phone on, charge it, get a full charge, and then you... But the, the iPhone works. It, it comes to you fully charged and ready to go. And I think why that picture stuck with me for this verse is I think sometimes we, we forget that we actually come... Uh, are born into the kingdom fully charged. And what I mean by that is, is there is no junior Holy Spirit. When we, when we become children of God, you know, he actually comes to us, and, and, the, and I'm gonna go through some stuff, some scriptures. We, we, oh, there's learning, right? We're gonna need, like, 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 there's learning here. The scriptures, do we still need to feed on the word of God? Yeah, yeah. The word of God is, is, our, is our spiritual food. That doesn't mean we don't need to learn and we don't need to study and we, we need to do that. Do we still need to pray and fast? Well, absolutely. That's kind of our breath. That's how we let our life forth. That's how we, you know, we breathe in the kingdom is through prayer. And it's not negating that. Do we still need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2? Absolutely. Jesus said, don't, don't go to get it. But the fact of the matter is, we, when we're born into the kingdom, we go from death to life. We go from darkness to light. 
we go from bound to free and Jesus is with us. Amen? And, and I just think in, this, in these verses, when I, when I go th- run through reading these verses, that's what's really stuck out in my mind this morning is that Paul was trying to encourage us in that. You know, I just wanna suggest to us that maybe in the kingdom we don't go from empty to full, but we actually just go from faith to faith or from glory to glory. We go from one level of full to another. And that you think, well, Tom, that doesn't make any sense. Well, the kingdom doesn't exactly make sense. They call it an upside down kingdom because if you wanna be great, the, the Lord said to bow your knee and serve, right? If you wanna, if you wanna um, just the, the provision of heaven at hand, he says, well, then freely you've received, freely give away everything you got and more will come. How do, you, how do you get by giving? I don't know, it works. How do you lead by serving? Well, it's the right thing to do. I don't know how it happens, but it works. And in, in the kingdom of God, I think sometimes when we talk about full and empty, those aren't actual kingdom terms. Full is the kingdom term. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we leak, and we, but, but he still wants us to be, there's more full. There's from faith to faith and glory to glory. And I think that's what Paul's encouragement is gonna be to us today as we kind of dig in. Uh, and a picture of this, in my mind at least, is in Luke chapter four. Um, and if, we're not gonna turn there, but you can turn there at home. Luke chapter four is the, the story of Jesus when um, he goes out into the desert, if we remember, and he was tempted by Satan, right? Remember that? He spent 40 days in the desert, he was tempted, and then he came back, kind of defeat that temptation, right? He won, he, he, was, he, didn't, he didn't give in to sin. He, he was tempted and he walked righteously through it. It says that he went into the desert full of the Spirit. He started full. And it says he left in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's still full. And that's our picture. In, our, in this life, we're to, we're to start full and we're supposed to end full. And God works in the midst of it all. And I think that's gonna be our encouragement today as we kind of dig into this. Um, so let me, what do I mean full? Um, I don't mean that there's not room to grow because even though you're full, we all still grow in the Lord, right? Uh, we, all, we need each other. We need the sharpening of friendship and you know, all that kind of stuff. We need, we need the, the body of Christ to grow. But this is what it says. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 that when you're born again, it says all the promises of God in Christ are yes and in him amen to the glory of God. What does that mean? It means this book is filled with promises, and if you're a believer who's bowed the knee to Jesus' name, those promises are yours. You ask the Father, God, is that promise for me? And he says, yes, and you say, amen. That's what that verse means. They're all to you, they're for you. You get to partake in them. In fact, it says in the scripture that we, we actually partake in the very nature of God through his promises. If you wanna be more like Jesus, get into the word, find out what his promises are, and begin to say, God, I, I need that in my life. I wanna start walking in your promises. It says in Ephesians 1.13 that when we're born again, that we're actually sealed by the Holy Spirit. It's like he puts his stamp on you and says, that one's mine. Pam, she's mine. Eric, he's mine. He seals us with the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to study. You don't need to do anything. You can't earn that. That is a free gift of the Father. Say, I, that, I have my mark on that one. Say, I have been marked by the Holy Spirit. That's good news. And then it says this in Luke 10, 19. You know, um, one of the actual biggest shocks, I believe, of uh, the Hebrew people of, people of Jesus' time was actually how he dealt with the demonic. Because I don't believe that we have any instance in the Old Testament of anybody actually like, casting out a devil. I could be wrong on that. Um, but he did that. That was something he did all the time. And in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said this. He says, all authority. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. 
Now, is that just for the pastor who's gone to seminary or the evangelist in Africa, or is that for the guy who works at Market Basket and actually encounters people with demons that need to get set free? And so my, my point is this morning, I want us to remind us this morning that if, if you have called Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you've been forgiven of your sin, you start full. Amen? All right, let's read some scripture. So 1 Corinthians 3.21. Um, why don't you stand with me? We'll read some scripture. We'll pray just for a moment. <clears throat> so real quick, um, the context of this is that Paul was talking, he's writing a letter uh, to people in Corinth, and this first part is addressing their supposedly divisions in the church. Certain people saying they follow Paul, certain people say they follow Peter, certain people say Apollos, and Paul is trying to say, stop with your divisions, we're, divisions, we're, one, we're one church, we're one people, let's not worry about that. And, and at the end of these three chapters, there's, there's four chapters dealing with this, and I think this is a turning point, which we're actually um, reading right now, it's where the conversation kind of shifts. And honestly, if you're like me, the first read of it, you're kind of going to go away a little cross-eyed, and that's okay, we'll work our way through it. Um, but verse 21 says, so then no more boasting about human leaders. It's not about who your leader is. Uh, all things are yours. And this is where it starts getting intense. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that's Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Father God, we pray this morning for uh, just a spirit of wisdom and revelation I believe this morning, as is always the case, that your word needs to be revealed to our hearts. So Lord, would you reveal your word to our heart this morning? Speak to my life. Just say that with me. Say, speak to my life and change it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So we have three chapters where these guys are discussing their divisions and who they follow. They're in a city of Corinth. Uh, Pastor Justin went over a little bit with us. Corinth was, I believe, about five times the city of uh, large, five times as large as the city of Athens in the day. It was a very big city, a very big port city. It was on a little isthmus, I'm going to say that wrong, connecting the northern and southern parts of, of Greece. And so a lot of trade went right through that, and, and it became a, a real bastion for Greek-like uh, philosophy, particularly like there was a, a line called Stoicism and another line called Epicureanism, and they, they, would, they would discuss and talk and debate um, in open forums. Actually, the area in the city that was kind of open was called the Forum. In different parts of the city, they'd have these debates. And it was very commonplace for someone to say, well, I follow this person or I follow that person. I like their line of philosophy. I like their line of reasoning or this makes sense to me. And I think what might have happened is the church just fell into that because that was the culture. And it's not so different than today, is it? Right? Um, I'll leave that alone. But <laughs> the word police sometimes reel you in. Um, but that's the truth. And so how does, when, when Paul says this, he says, all things are yours. And then he says, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas. Am I the only one that looks at that and says, that is very weird way to say anything? Is that right? That's a, just a very clunky thing. And, and, I, and I, I really felt like what the Lord had for us was in these three verses. So I, you know, just praying through, I'm like, Lord, what is he saying? And he's saying that those people have been given to, to the church. So Paul and, and Peter were labeled as apostles. 
I'm, I'm not sure, Paul, Apollos might have been as well, but I think at least in one place he's labeled as an evangelist. Paul came through Corinth, ministered, and then in Acts chapter 8, you can read that. It's, it's a great history lesson on this. Go back to Acts 8, I think it is. Apollos comes through, and he didn't know anything. He, and he taught, and he was you know, doing his thing, and ministering in Corinth. Um, I don't think he actually was baptized in the Holy Spirit, knew about the Holy Spirit, so he actually got a Holy Spirit education there. And then at some point, Peter, who's given by his other name Cephas, must have ministered somehow there. So three giants in the faith supposedly came and ministered in this town, and people kind of, not they just divided to say, this is the person I follow. And Paul's like, no, that's not the case. But in Ephesians, this is really interesting. Paul says, all of us are yours. And that, that's a very clunky conversation, a very clunky way to say it. But I think that in Ephesians um, 4, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but it's a good one for context of why he would say people are yours, as if they almost owned the people, which isn't the case. But in Ephesians 4, where is it here? Um, yeah, chapter 11, uh, 4.11, it says, it's talking, it says, so Christ himself gave, say gave. gave. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ can be built up until we reach unity in faith. Is the church of Jesus Christ unified in faith today? Or is there still some brokenness we need to work through? The latter. I would say that there are still apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the world today, and some of them even in our, in our local body here, whose job it is is to build up the body, to equip us for works of ministry, with a goal of unifying us in the faith. And so Paul knew that there were actually these, I call them ministry gifts or, you know, um, fivefold ministries, another term you might hear, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher, there's five of them. Um, these, these, these um, I don't know how you'd call it, they're actually a gift. So like um, Pastor Justin, one of the things you'll notice about Pastor Justin if, is he brings out the pastoring in a lot of people because that's his gift. He cares for people. He cares for people not just in our church, but we've begun to launch out in our community because he cares for people in the community. He's got a heart to pastor, to love. And so you'll find he, he gathers around him people with that same heart. And he also encourages it in people that don't have it. All of a sudden, they're encouraged with the grace on his life to pastor people. If you're around a real evangelist and you're like me, you say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge evangelist usually. If you're around an evangelist, the grace on their life begins to seep into yours and you begin to be like, I gotta go win the loss. You just get that thing on you because God's equipping you. The fivefold gift is given to the church to equip, equip us. Apostles are great builders. It's actually like, a, I believe, a Roman term where they would send out the apostles into areas they conquered to teach them how to live in Roman culture. The apostle is the one connected to heaven to say, this is how you're supposed to live in this kingdom culture. And when you get around them, all of a sudden things start clicking and making sense because they're teaching you culture. They're teaching you how this word works in our life. The prophet is the guy who hears from God, and we all hear from God, but a prophet does in a special way. And whereas in, in, in Corinthians, there's the gift gift of prophecy, right? You can have a prophetic word. Any one of us can do that. It, with a prophet, it's not the word that's the gift, it's the person. And all of a sudden, you get around a prophet, and they're seeing and feeling, you're, and you begin to receive from their grace, and you might see and hear things from God on a different level, because now you're receiving from their grace. And Paul is saying, Paul, Apollos, Cephas, They've been given to you as a church, Corinth. All of them, they're yours. You get to receive from all of their grace on their ministry, and your church in Corinth is built up because of it. 
So don't just pick one that you follow. Maybe someone said, well, Paul's been to the third heaven, I follow him, or I like the zeal of Peter, or I like the evangelist in Apollos, you know, quit whipping the cream, get outside the church and win the lost. He's saying, go after all of it. It's all yours. It's all like an inheritance been given to us within that fivefold ministry gift. And so how does that apply to us today? And I think in 2022, recognizing like wise men still travel, right? And, and, and I don't believe that Jesus looks at New Life Church and says, hey, Pastor Justin, Pastor Tom, Pastor, we got, a, we got the full package here. I think we're a local assembly that has an expression of the goodness of God. And that means we need to be recognizing where are those other ministry gifts we can feed from. You know, a couple last week or week before, uh, a good portion of our staff went down to Massachusetts to connect with a, a leadership conference down there because we wanted to receive from the grace on their life. And it was such a powerful, encouraging time. And many of you go to conferences and connect with this and that because you're receiving from the grace on somebody else's life. And Paul is saying, it's all yours. It's fair game. You know what I mean? Like that, that is how we should function. That is how we should walk. So um, that's at least how I look at that scripture. I hope it might be helpful to some of you. Um, you know, when I was young, I, I grew up in um, a, a structured, well, I grew up in a Catholic church um, and I loved the Catholic church. It gave me a lot of uh, background in the word of God. Um, <clears throat> but, but my youth leader said, hey, I wanna take you to this small, it was a small church called Fountain of Life Church and they have these Holy Ghost Fridays and I was open to the moving of the Holy Spirit, but that place was a circus. But as a teenager, I loved it because I was just like, wow. Like, you know, you go somewhere and you always, if you're like me, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm just an optimist, so I think every, the best of everything. I'm like, this is like a perfect church. And no, there's no perfect church, but it was like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was welcome there. As a teenager, I loved going there. And I, I actually sat in front of my, my priest who said I was falling through the cracks but I didn't, at the time, I didn't recognize, like, it's not that. It's that the Lord has for his people refreshing and grace everywhere. We just need to keep our eyes open, right? Like, there is going to be things, church, where you're going to say, hey, I went to this XYZ church or this other thing and this small group here, and it may not even be attached to new life, but God calls you there because that's where your pools of refreshing is, and that's okay. And I think that's how, that's how we, go, we go against division and go to unity. We recognize it's all ours. So I get to walk free. And so for me, his name was Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob's church was a real blessing to me. Maybe you've done things with Kingdom Life or East Point or The Rock. We bless them. We love what they're doing. We pray that God's Holy Spirit pours out in those places. Amen? Amen. That's our heart. Um, do you know, this is totally, yes. What, part of my history, this is more testimony than anything. Part of my history is um, I was part of a, a church movement in upstate New York. Um, I don't know, it might still be going on. That's, and it's hard to explain the whole deal of it. <clears throat> but it started with a, a, a vision a guy had that proved to be true. And when it became true, all the pastors in the area got their attention because it was that kind of in your face. Um, and so we thought, okay, the Lord wants us to do something. And so all the pastors, I was in a youth pastor at the time, all the senior pastors, about five or ten to start, got together and started praying together. And it, what it turned into was this movement of people saying, we want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer that the, that the church would be one, that the world would know he sent his son. So we prayed together every Tuesday, and we got to the place where if you came to my church offended, we would say, you are welcome to warm a pew, but you actually can't be welcomed into our, our fellowship until you make it right with Pastor Joe. Yeah. Isn't that the way it is? And we'd have, it was, and there, there was a, I, I, I just so sensed the heart of God on a unity, that, that that is my personal heart. That's something God put in me. So when Paul says, I've given you these people, I know what he's talking about. I believe I do. 
My, most of my wedding party was my brother and then youth pastors from all these different churches all over our valley because we lived life together. And if we would see what Paul sees, if we would see the, the value and the beauty in his church, it takes things to a whole nother level. Amen? Amen. That's good. All right. The next one I think is even weirder. It's true. Is it okay can I say that? I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just telling you what I think. I'm also in the wrong book of the Bible. That's why that doesn't make any sense. Um, all things are yours, verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world. How can the world be ours? Does that seem like a little bit overexcited of Paul? The world is yours. And like, yeah, the world is mine. I don't know what that means. Anybody else? Or am I the only one who like, yeah, it's totally. We, we, we kind of get to this place where we like spiritualize everything and um, sometimes you've got to say, I don't quite get this. And I'm not sure I quite get this, but I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here, and you can tell me if you're on with me. And if not, take it to Jesus. It's fine. But you know, Psalm 115, 16 says this. It says that the heavens are the Lord's, and the earth he's given to man. Yes. Do you know that? Yes. Psalm 115, I think it's 16 if it's right. Um, if I give you a puppy, whose responsibility is that puppy? It's yours. The heavens are the Lord's, the earth's he's given to man. I find it really interesting that Jesus did all these things like he calmed the storm, he walked on water, he multiplied bread, and I don't think he necessarily did anything simply to um, uh, show off. Maybe he did, I don't know. I don't think so. I think everything he did had purpose. And I wonder if he's inviting us into this truth that the world is actually ours, that God actually gave us. He says, the earth is yours. What do I mean by that? Okay, so in, in, in practicality, does it mean that I'm just going to go walk out on the ocean, walk on water? I don't think that's what that meant. But I do think it means that when we're in a situation where the Lord is calling us to love somebody and the world around us seems to be impossible, the Lord wants to whisper in your ear, nothing is impossible. Yes. Nothing is impossible. I remember, I'm going to tell you two, another story of this lady, um, and this is really interesting. I was probably 16 years old, 15, 16, sitting in my, uh, my youth leader's living room with a bunch of people. Um, Pastor Justin might have actually been there. I'm not sure if he remembers this. Um, and she had this little... I don't know, little 19-inch TV, which back in the day was probably a big TV to some of us. Just having, I remember having one in my room and thinking that was amazing. Um, and she had it on the, on the news while we were kind of praying. And we used to kind of, she, she would sit on the couch, we kind of sit on the floor, we're just praying and talking and praying and talking all night long for like hours. And um, all of a sudden on the, on the um, news, it comes up on the Weather Channel that there was a hurricane heading right toward Florida. And Mary Ann, in her kind of quaint self, quaint in a good way. She's just amazingly filled with faith. She said, well, we should pray against that. And I said, all right. I don't know what like 10 people in New York State are going to do to pray against a hurricane in Florida. And she literally, it was me, she pointed at me and she said, go up to the TV and, and, and put your hand on that thing and tell that, that hurricane to leave. And so there's no like churchy prayer. I literally just went up and I said, in Jesus' name, go. And everyone else in the room was like, amen. And we went back to talking. And we talked for like our conversations. Um, my mom can attest to this. She's up here from New York. We used to last way long in the night. We'd stay at her house at like midnight and talk things of the Lord and pray. And a couple hours later, TV's still on. And the weatherman comes and says, looks like the hurricane actually is going to miss Florida. Now, I'll tell you, it sounds silly unless you're a 15-year-old boy who was like, what the heck just happened? Like I watched with my own eyes this thing going right toward the coast of Florida and then I prayed a silly prayer at the behest of this lady who I think is half crazy, but I know she loves Jesus, and this thing turned. 
What if Jesus wants us to know that the earth is actually, the world is ours? Like we're not actually under the pressure, under the, the, uh, the weight of the world. Jesus took all that on himself. We get to walk freely through this thing and, and, and through our life. And then when we come into situations where that seem impossible, our, our, our prayer doesn't necessarily just have to be, Jesus, get me through. It's Jesus, what do you want to do? Right? To Jesus, three loaves and a couple fish looks like enough for thousands you know, the scripture says that the, the, um, the way the Lord thinks and the way we think is a little different, it says. It says his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, or above our thoughts. And, and, and they're not just a little different. They're vastly different, right? He looks at something that would be my lunch, and he says it's more than enough for this whole church. Well, Jesus, this is all I have. That's, that's quite enough. That's actually more than enough. In fact, it's more than enough to the extent that we pick up baskets full of leftovers after that lunch, see feeding of 5,000 in the Gospels. I think there's something about this idea that Jesus wants us to walk, our, walk our, our life, our ministry in such a way that we recognize that even the natural laws are not meant to constrain the kingdom believer. Yes. Nothing in the spirit life is meant to draw attention to me, but everything in our spiritual walk is meant to bring attention to him. And when there's someone in our, in our, in our situation, in our walk, in our life, in our work, in our home, that needs Jesus, may nothing, may there be no limitation. May we just recognize we have a God that's always good all the time and nothing is impossible for him. Preach it, preach it. I'm trying. <laughs> um, and then the next one is life and death, right? We're just kind of walking down through this. It says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death, we all know like in that, um, the Old Testament, it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And that, that principle, I think you could convince a non-believer no problem, right? You take a parent or parents um, that are just filled with negativity, we'll just say, and how they spew that on their child, and you watch how that child grows up, and you watch one that's got life and blessing, right? I mean, it just, it just works. You can see the effect of the seed of blessing and curse just in how little children, and we all have, are raised, um, but I think there's more to that than this. You know, even in John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and abundant life. And I don't necessarily think he was giving away abundant life simply after you died. Well, once you die and you go to heaven, then you'll get abundant life. Because it says, Paul actually says, uh, no, I lied. John says that I think. I don't know the reference. I don't know the address. You have to figure it out yourself. Um, but it says that as we, well, what is that, Andre? I'll, I'll look at a Bible. This is how I Google. As he is, so shall we be in this life. You know that verse? Well, yeah, 1 John 4, 17. It was little John. So 1 John 4, 17, it says, everyone who acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God lives in him and he lives in God. I gotta click on it. Um, because as he is, so are we, and the most important part of that verse is in this world. In this world. We're supposed to have abundant life in this world. Let me remind you, Saint, you woke up this morning, no matter how you felt, abundant life is a seed right now inside of you just looking to get out. And it says, in this life. Well, what happens if I have marital struggles or sickness? I understand those things happen and I'm not saying we turn a blind eye to that, and I'm not saying we don't have compassion and walk people through that. 
You know, um, but there was a, there's a, a lady here that just, she blessed me. It was really funny uh, to me. Um, she was actually coming alongside a sister in the Lord who was going through a rough time, and her almost feeling somewhat non-compassion came out, but it wasn't. I thought it was right on. She said, straighten your crown, sister. I'm like, whoa, like to the wrong person that could be hurtful. But to me, sometimes I need to hear that, right? Like I understand I'm not saying there's not time to grieve. I'm not saying there's not time to process through stuff. Life will hurt and things are hard and that's all true. But sometimes I need to straighten my crown and realize that he's given me abundant life and my question now is, Jesus, what am I gonna do? I see what reality is. What do you want me to do? Because nothing's impossible and you're good all the time so that I'm not without choices. A victim is without choices and he calls you more than a conqueror. Amen? And then he says this, he says, death is yours, which of all these things is the one I probably don't get the most, but it does say in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, it says that death is our last enemy that will be put underfoot. He's, he's encouraging us that even in that, you're gonna win. Unless Jesus comes back, we're all gonna die, we're all terminal, I hate to give you the bad news, we're all terminal in this room, but he says even in that, if you're in Christ, you're victorious. It's the last enemy, he says, I'll put underfoot for you. I'll squish that thing under my foot. And then it comes to near the end here. It says, present or the future? How can the present be mine? How can the future be mine? Well, this is what the scripture says. It says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. One of the things I love about the word salvation in the New Testament is called sozo, and, it stand, and, and, and it's used interchangeably for these English terms, saved, healed, delivered, prospered, protected, preserved, and made whole. Today is the day of salvation. What does that mean? It means, it means Jesus wants people saved today. Do you need to pray about it? No, he wants people saved today. Well, my friend is, is, needs to be set free from some demonic thing. Do I need to pray about it to see if today is the day? No, today is the day. He's given you today. Well, I'm sick, I'm sick, but I know that if I just fast and pray for five days, God will heal me. No, 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 that's not what the scripture says. It says today is the day of salvation. Amen. The promise is for right now. He's given it to you. And it says the future is yours. And my favorite, if you're going to take away a scripture, take away this one. It's in um, for, uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I'm going to read the whole thing. I didn't last time. Divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Through these he has given us his very great, say very great, and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. I think I referenced that verse. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world. So this verse says he's actually giving us, given, past tense, he's given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness or a godly life in Christ Jesus. That's future. He says today is yours and the future is yours. But the most stunning part of this verse is what Paul doesn't say. He doesn't say the past is yours. You have everything except your past because the past is under the blood. And when the enemy comes up and tries to accuse you and say, well, what about this? And this is who you are and you've never been anything but this? Your response is meant to be, it should be, hopefully is, no, 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 no. That's not mine anymore. It's been purchased. I've been bought with a price. I'm no longer my own. And so that's how we stop the accusation of the, believer, of the, of the, the accuser of the brethren is we have to recognize that the past is not ours to talk about. If you're a believer in Jesus, you don't own your past, Jesus does. And anytime you're gonna talk about it, you better ask his permission first because it needs to come into a place where it glorifies his name and doesn't glorify sin and destruction. 
And too many times we drag it around like an anchor. Oh, woe is me. This is my past. And it doesn't bring him glory. And, and the, the, it's not yours. It's not yours to talk about. The present is mine. The future is mine. But the past is Jesus's. Isn't that good news? Oh, I tell you. That don't let your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> At least one of us is having fun. All right. Amen. Paul is reaching out to his sons and daughters in faith and reminding them this. You are not left destitute. You don't need to scrounge. You don't need to fight for leadership. You don't, you're not left without a father. Ultimately, if I look at this verse, what I feel like Paul's saying is you're not an orphan. Orphans need to figure out their own way. Orphans need to make sure there's going to be food for tomorrow. Orphans need to make sure everything's taken care of so they can make it another day. they got to get their tribe and Paul says, you might have been born into this world as an orphan, but you're not going to leave it as an orphan because you have a father. Thank you, Lord. And, and you, you, you're born into it fully equipped. You're born into a kingdom not on empty, but on full. And here's the craziest part. Now, verse um, 23, the end of 22 says, he, he recaps and says, all these things are yours. Thank you, it might be the wrong way to think about it, so, but give me a little license here. They're mine. They're, I got them. I'm, I possess them. But then it says, you are of Christ. And I think about it like those Russian nesting dolls. God's given me this inheritance, this, this, this basket of truth that literally shapes the way I live, the promises of God, the authority of Scripture, the life of Christ. He says, that's yours, and you're inside of Christ, and Christ is inside of God. Isn't that the truth? That's so good. That, that when we're in any situation, Paul wants us to realize, look, there's, whether it's a, I don't think this is, just pertains to a divided church. It could be anything. But I think that the reminder that this is true, that we need to continually renew our mind, it says. Renew your mind um, with the word of the Lord. It's Romans 12, I think. Uh, renew your mind to according, well, let's read it. It's that good. I'm gonna flounder with it until I read it. All right. There it is. Yeah. Romans 12, right from the beginning, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is interesting, because we're talking about the blessing, the fullness of God. And that doesn't mean there's not going to be sacrifice in this world. We can be full. We can be blessed. We can be filled with the life of God and still live a life of sacrifice. And that's probably the true more times than it's not. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. then. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. New King James says it this way. It says, then you'll be able to prove the will of the Lord. <clears throat> Sometimes I wonder in my own life, if the greatest challenge I actually have is that my mind is not actually conformed to the word of the Lord. That the Lord wants to pour out his answer to every situation I have and he's waiting for agreement from earth for me to say, isn't this your promise, Father? And he says, it is, amen, let's do that. But I'm not quite there yet. And this verse, I believe, is telling us that, what, that, that what's really helpful to us is that our mind gets in line with the word of God and we recognize that this book is fully true more than we even know, more than I know, more than I understand. 
And the more I do that, the more I get to prove the will of the Lord in this life, proven. And I think that's what Jesus did. I think that's what Paul did. I think when we read the Acts of the Apostles and they saw great many signs and wonders and the, the church becoming one and the unity and all these crazy expressions of God's love, what they were doing was proving the will of the Lord because they thought what God thought. And so this morning, that's kind of what I have for you. As we kind of come to the end of this section, Pastor Justin will talk on chapter four next week, but let's just recognize that the turning point in this problem with division is that we gotta go from thinking like orphans to thinking like sons and daughters of God. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Oh, yes, thank you. Gotta talk to myself. I'm actually changing how I'm ending it. I think we're gonna do a little something different. You know, we talked a little bit about the upside down kingdom and I heard this line a long time ago that shaped how I think. Sometimes there's little nuggets, sometimes it's a scripture, sometimes it's like a proverb, sometimes it's just what somebody says that shapes how we think. And I think um, it's helpful to remember and one of the ways that, it sh- that has been helpful to me is this, this little nugget, which is this. As we walk through life and we all have our struggles, we all have our problems, we all have our uh, whatever, right? You with me? Yeah. You, your life is perfect, come see me in the connect corner, I need to talk. <laughs> Um, but we do. We all have joys. We all have beauty. We all have wonderful things as well, right? That's true. But we need to recognize as Christians, we are in a spiritual war. That's what it says. There is spiritual warfare happening. But the thing that changed how I thought about it is this verse in Ephesians where it says that you have been seated with Christ in high places. Did you know that? It doesn't say you will be. It says you have been, which means what? It means you, you fight from a place of victory, not for victory. Yes. You're not fighting to win. You're fighting from winning. It's, too, it's really weird because God lives outside of time. Wrap your head around that after service. But that is the, the, the truth. And so as we come into his presence, that's why sometimes when we worship the Lord, it becomes like warfare to us. We're just loving on Jesus, and we have no other motivation than to worship his name and declare his goodness, and the demons of hell can't stand it. Amen? So, Father, we just thank you today. And I just want to read this, this um, encouragement, which I have to us before. Um, so forgive me, but repeat is all right. This is just how I feel like we should end today. It's out of Isaiah 61. And, and I want to take it for me, and I pray you take it for yourself. Um, Jesus took it for himself, and I think we're supposed to do the same. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Say, he's upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Say, I'm anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. We're going to go back one more scripture for one more line. It says this in Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness may cover the earth, thick darkness the people, but the Lord, say, but the Lord, rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Amen? Let's worship the Lord.